Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Obo Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Have you been watching Orange is the New Black or no? Yeah, we're actually, that's what we're going to do after we get done. We're, I think we're on episode nine. Ah, you're a little ahead of where I am. I just finished episode seven. Let me turn off my X-Bone. <laughs> X-Bone off. Mine, just, doesn't li- mine doesn't listen to me at all. I don't even have a connect. I just like saying it. Uh, my, mine decides when it wants to listen to me or not. It's like... Like my, I'll, like I'll, my dog? Yeah, well, it, it's really bad because the times I need it to listen, like, I don't need to turn it on or off with my voice. I have a controller. I have fingers for the time being. I don't need my voice to do that. What I do need it to do is when I do some awesome play in Crucible or a Halo match or whatever, if I needed to fucking record right then, I needed to record right then. And it's just, lately, it's been like, Xbox record, and or record that. And whether or not it does it, 50-50. Try an English accent next time. I actually used to tell it to Xbox lunch. <laughs> and I, that that actually worked a lot better. Like, that would actually get it to do stuff. But lately, no. no none of that. Maybe the Xbox is like Scooby-Doo and you have to bribe it with like a Scooby snack or something. Will you do it for an Xbox snack? Right, love you, Rorge? No. Mixing. Now I'm conflating dogs from Hanna-Barbera. And that's no good. Hi, I'm Jack. I'm Jonathan. And we are Glib Shark. Tonight we're talking about E3 and just covering the week in general. And uh, as always, lines are open. If you want to call, the number is 215-486-2125. Or if you have Skype, call Jenga Ship, and we'll let you in on the conversation. And we're we're going to be talking generally about E3. I have been actually watching a bunch of the a bunch of the streams of presentations. One of the nice things about E3 and my current job is that right around when the E3 coverage comes on, the day is picking up just a little bit, but not too much to, that I can can't get distracted. So. It's very nice to be able to just have those on and kind of have them on in the background and maybe once in a while pop in and have a look. But I think the only one that I've missed has been the Bethesda one that they did before E3, like before like I think they did it on Friday or Saturday or something. And then I missed the Sony one because well, I was at home playing video games, so I'm not going to be watching E3 shit. Hmm. That's fair. You can't let video game news cut into your actual video game time. That just seems wrong. It, it's sort of like one of the reasons why I don't watch a ton of streamers. I'm kind of of the opinion that if I'm going to, if I have the opportunity to play a game, I'm going to play that game, not watch someone else play games. And it's a little bit different like if you're doing something where you can't really play a game, but you could have the TV on, then streams are fine. But I don't. I don't find myself in that position a lot. Like, if I'm not playing a video game, I'm hanging out with Lisa, so I'm also not watching a stream. 
I mean, sa- sadly, we don't sit down and watch LCS together and, and are rooting for our, our different League of Legends teams. That's what I like about like our streams. I feel like you get more of a mix where it's um, – I mean so, so part of the reason that people come back to like these games and stuff is that it's not just for the gameplay themselves. It's for the interaction of the people w- within there. Yeah, and, and uh, I think that that is one of the nice things about our particular stream when we do actually uh, do it. I haven't actually streamed in a little while, but I'll get back on it, and, uh, and maybe tomorrow I'll do some streaming from Destiny, obviously, and, um, and see about that. I just I, I really like getting the party in there and, and having that going. And with the new setup, hopefully that will work a little bit better. Got to test it a little bit more. Got to get I, me involved, too, now that I have Destiny. I want to play. Yeah, you, you're only level 6. I'm level 34. Mm. Well, Actually, I got some catch-up to do. Yeah, I, I am now to the point where all my guys are max level, but one of the things that you have in Destiny is you have different stats, and they affect the cooldown of your different abilities. Intellect affects the cooldown of your super. Uh, strength affects the cooldown of your melee ability. And discipline uh, affects the cooldown of your grenade. And so your armor has different stats that help that. And right now, I have a bunch of armor that is okay, but it gets me to level 34, which is more, more important. But now, I'm actually getting the materials to where I can actually build out different loads. Like I could have an intellect build for one of my guys where I'll be supering a lot. Or if I have a high discipline, I can throw lots and lots of grenades. Right now, strength is kind of the garbage stat. No one really does a strength build, really. And for the first, for the first little while, one of the new vendors that help, would help you to get to 34 was only selling strength rolls on this armor. So it was kind of frustrating. So now I'm kind of phasing that armor out and phasing in armor that I, that I actually can use and like. And my Titan is almost done. I think my Warlock is just about done, and then my Hunter needs a lot of work. It is so nice to know what you're talking about for once. Oh, yeah. Isn't it great? These are intelligible terms to me now. I feel like a whole vocabulary, a whole universe, if you will, has been opened up to me. I, it was like that for me when I started a lot of games. When I started League of Legends, I would hear my friends go on about League of Legends, and I would not know what they were talking about. Like, if you asked me, hey, so do you think running a... Ah, what's a what's a good one? Running a uh, a support jungler is good in the current meta. I would have no idea what any of those words just meant, but it, and it's all about jargon. And a lot of games, especially really good ones like Destiny and Hearthstone and and League of Legends, all of them have their own jargon. Even Halo, which is pretty straightforward in comparison, each map has its own jargon. Like, each map has its own callouts and stuff. And I'll get into a map, and I'll be playing with people who, who play a lot more. And they'll be like, okay, they're down by, by Barnyard. Go, go to Barnyard. Barnyard. And I'm like, I have no fucking idea what Barnyard is. What, or, is that a thing? Can, can you put it? Is it on the map? So it's, it's like that with every game. And I'm really glad that you're, that you're getting in the, uh, in the Destiny speak here. Yeah. And then I feel like... I, I should pay it forward. Once I get to be like a level 34 like you are, I will either, you know, repay that kindness and help people along or come up with a bunch of bogus slang and, and jargon to throw people off and be all like, oh, you really want to go for those life hacks over there. 
Bye, Felicia. It's sort of like that. Oh, which who did that where they were making up band names at Coachella and trying to tell people, oh, hey, there's this upcoming band. But it was like fictitious. It was like, oh, hey, have you heard of the mic stands? And people would be like, yeah, I've kind of heard about the mic stands. And there's no band called the mic stands. Like <laughs> it's sort of very Emperor New Clothes ish. It's a very ancient form of trolling that actually dates back to, uh, to Nirvana. So apparently they were interviewed by, this, uh, by Time magazine to sort of get uh, what Generation X's slang is. And they came up with a bunch of, uh, you know, just bullshit on the top of their heads. Like they said like harsh realm and wax slacks and just stuff that didn't mean anything at all that nobody actually said. But they thought, well, they're trying to decode us. Let's give them like Rosetta Stone that's completely useless. And it was a great gag and I loved it. So harsh realm apparently is what you say when uh, when things aren't going your way or you hear some bad news. It's like, ah, oh, harsh realm. And I think it was also briefly a Fox uh, pilot that never got picked up. It's or maybe not, it aired for one season. And I, I think it aired for a few episodes because it does sound familiar. Uh, it was no kindred of the embraced, but, uh, but it was not without its charm. I actually remember that show. Kindred of the embraced? Oh, yeah, with uh, the different vampire houses and shit. Yeah, it's kind of like um, True Blood before True Blood. Well, Although different. It's based on an RPG, I think. Oh. I yeah, didn't know. I, that part I didn't know. Yeah, it's actually... I think it was actually based on Vampire the Embrace. I, I believe. I, I don't remember exactly which, which game it was based on, but... Oh, gosh. Uh, Aaron Spelling produced this? That's hilarious. Of course he did. Or his, his comp- production company was behind it. And it aired only for a month. April, 9, April 2nd, 1996 to May 9th, 1996. I have no reason, no idea why I remember that show like I do. Uh, it's one but of those I, weird things. Like, actually, oh, I, there was one I, called Forever Night, too, where Catherine Disher, who was the voice of Jean from the 90s X-Men series, was a supporting character. And I, I think remember. it was like a, a cop, Trevor Knight, who was like part vampire or full vampire, who was also yeah. a cop and fighting crime with his vampire powers or something. Something like that, yeah. I, it, I actually, I remember something that Kindred the, uh, the Embrace did really, really well. So vampires, if they were real, would be running around trying to drink blood. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense for a vampire to make one person one meal. Like, I'm going to run over, I'm going to drink this dude, and then he's going to die. And I am I have fed, but now there's one less human running around. It, it makes no sense, especially if vampires are all afraid of being discovered by humans. That you leave a trail of bodies because you're hungry. That's just not good. And one of the things that they did in Kindred the Embraced was that they took great care not to kill their victims. Huh. Like they would, they would drink them, but then like they would be weakened or woozy and be like, Oh, I don't know what's happened to me. And they'd be like, Oh no, you don't. And then they'd run away. And that makes a lot more sense. It's also a way to get through FCC rules regarding multiple murders in one primetime television show. I don't. I, I think those uh, those regulations are kind of lax these days. I mean, they're, well, now they are, but this is '96, so right. Well, I, you say that though, and this was and the same fr- time. Dennis, Dennis when, Franz, sorry. Well, War of the Worlds was coming out, and they killed dozens of people in each episode of War of the Worlds, which was the syndicated sequel to the 19 i want to say 56 movie george hmm. powell movie where where it was like the little flying mantises with the cobra heads 
Yeah, but were they being blown up from a distance or were they being graphically murdered? They were being absorbed by aliens and then mutilated. Like they would like tear people's eyes out. Now, granted, this was syndicated TV, but still it wasn't this wasn't HBO or Showtime. This was something you could see on like your Fox affiliate at like four o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there was a golden age of syndication in the 1990s. Like some of the best and worst and best by being worst TV shows were out then. I'm calling out specifically Nightman, tuned to the pre- frequency of suck. I am going to call out a good one. Hercules. Hercules was syndicated. Hercules was campy, though. I liked Hercules. I mean, yeah, it was Hercules deliberately was like tongue and cheek kind of like. Babylon 5, the same way. But Hercules got serious, and then it got ruined. Yeah, and then they had Xena, which also got was silly, think, but then was serious, and then was silly again. Then there was a musical episode, and then they crucified her. But didn't she come back from that? I don't think that was the end. She did. No, it wasn't the end. I think in the last episode, spoilers for a twenty-year-old TV show. I think she died in Japan, and then Gabrielle carried on her legacy. It was interesting the way Xena handled like religion because it never, except for like the really old religions like the the Greeks and the Romans and and I think the Egyptians. Once they started getting into religions that were actually active, like uh, like Christianity, like Christianity and the Hindu gods, they actually got in trouble. I think for for Xena turning into Lord Krishna. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pro tip. Don't turn into somebody's god on television. <laughs> it won't end well for you. But yeah, then they... Hunt Unless the whole- you're the Simpsons, in which case you can get it as long as you can be subdued very easily <laughs> for your lack of grace. You are not Ganesh. Ganesh is graceful. I used to say that in Hindi, like what I thought was the Hindi or Gujarati or Punjabi or whatever language it was. Like I think it sounds like, Udo Ganesh Badeng, Ganesh Badenga money hand. Every time I say it, my brother-in-law, my first brother-in-law, like cracks up laughing. But yes, uh, Ganesh. And Grateful. E3, which we've gotten pretty far away from. <laughs> we, we've, we've wandered a little. That was a good 10-minute riff, though. It was. It was good. I feel good. Yeah. Feeling but, good, uh, man. But yes, I've been watching lots of E3 stuff, and I don't know if you have, but I got to say, I am sick of the word hype. I could do without, with no one using the word hype for like two years. Here's the thing. The reason people use word hype because it's an abbreviation and it's shortened and it actually sounds cool and it's marketable. If people actually had to say hyperbole, the entire thing would be like, uh, the word even sounds just like uh, hyperbole. Um, you get tired of saying it halfway through, hyperbole, uh, right? It's just I, – I just am sick of the word. I'm sick of hype trains. I'm sick of get hype. I really I, – I'm done with it. Sorry, Mojo Raleigh. <laughs> but but I did actually post a a hype train gif that was made from I think it was from Scrubs and it was for Mass Effect Andromeda and it was it was a hype train for the new Mass Effect game. I don't what have you seen from that so far? I haven't seen much of anything actually. I tried to catch up a little bit on E3 and got a little bit about Doom and uh and Halo and Microsoft. Wait a minute, are you talking about like the 5 minutes you looked up stuff before the show? Not before the show. I was looking up stuff like um, today, too. Like I looked okay. up um, – I know Microsoft announced, uh, for instance, the Xbox One is getting backwards compatibility for 360 games, yes. which is great. Well, I have questions. 
I was talking about this with uh, with our good friend Izzy, and one of the things we were really excited about was that it's going to make our Mass Effect 3 nights a lot easier. So instead of having to power up the, the old Xbox 360, we can just grab, grab the game, have it on our Xbox, or our Xbox One, and then just play it. Yeah. But my question is, if you have a 360 game on your Xbox One, and someone else has a 360 game on their 360, can you play each other? That is a very good question. I'm going to say no. Because I'm guessing it's also no, but I know there is some cross there's some cross compatibility games. I know like World of Tanks, it's coming out on the Xbox 1 and you will be able to play 360 uh people from it. So I don't know if they're going to do the same thing with that because like we were just talking about Destiny. We have mm-hmm. friends on 360 who still play Destiny. Uh Nico, Finch, uh Silas I think plays on 360. And so it would be really great for them to be able to play with us, even if yeah. it was us having the 360 version. But I don't know if they, if they are going to be able to do that because I don't know if, if that's going to be the case or not. Yeah, I think it's also because it's not even like a 360 game, but I'm guessing they're using emulation engine within the Xbox One to do this the way they did the 316 and classic Xbox games. But uh, it's, I'm looking at the list of games that are currently compatible. And I, it's interesting to note that both Viva Pinatas are currently backwards compatible. It's like that was on the top of their list of games they wanted. Well, there's also the Rare Pack that's coming out that's going to have Viva Pinata for the Xbox One as well. Hmm. So I don't know if that's going to be – I don't think that's an – well, it's an on-disc. So I guess it's just – I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I'm just talking. It's not the complete list. It's just a certain – let's see, Xbox feedback page – for a purpose allowing users to vote on which games they want. Um, so Mass Effect's on there. Let's see. Uh, Red Dead Redemption got 16,627 votes. Uh, yeah, Call a lot of, Duty, of people want to play Red Dead, yeah. Halo Screech. I, Reach actually would be a great game to emulate because it's not going to show up on any Master Chief collection. It's right. not going to show up on any future. Anything that, that 343 puts out is not going to have Halo Reach. Well, it looks like Mass Effect 3 is on this list of games they want to vote. Let's see. Vote on number of games. When new games are being added, you can't promise every title will be available. Let us know which games you're most excited about. So Shit, if, vote for Mass Effect 3. Definitely. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, because it's the only one you can do multiplayer. Oh, sign in. We send you uh, the sign into my Xbox account. I'll do that later. I have a show to run. I'm a famous podcaster. With My time is very important. But... Not so important that I shouldn't encourage you guys to vote for Mass Effect 3 so you can play with us. And also, a lot of the stuff with the, uh, what is Microsoft calling their virtual reality headset dealy? Uh, HoloLens. The HoloLens. And, they, and the Halo 5, like, uh, Warzone previews in there where people got to be in the world of the Master Chief, albeit briefly. I The HoloLens demonstration they did was actually pretty good. And it, it's a separate HoloLens edition of Minecraft. And it looks, it looks neat. And it, it allows for some for a lot of options as far as playability. I think it's kind of cool because you could actually play a board game, but it would be like a virtual board game. They, and, but all the pieces would be there. It wouldn't be like there's actually a game right now, XCOM, that's a, also a board game. And it has a very big component that goes on your like smartphone and tablets 
And then I believe there are some board games that are getting ready to come out that have a lot of uh, augmented reality. So like you have a chit that has a piece, but then you, you put your phone camera on it and it's actually like an ogre or a, a robot or something. Sure, or even the, the Minecraft demo for HoloLens, which looks amazing. Yeah, that's what the Minecraft demo was really neat. And it was, it was kind of cool. It, it looked like every holographic table you see in like sci-fi. Yeah. So with this hollow technology on, on, the, uh, on the rise, it's only a matter of time before Professor Moriarty makes his comeback. Well, you just have to, you just have to structure your game very carefully. You have to ha- set the parameters where you don't leave any loopholes. Yeah, that's true. Or, you know, some advanced civilization that, you know, hacks into Barclay's brain again. Actually, I feel like science fiction has taught us that holograms are just nothing but trouble. Well, with one notable exception. Sorry, Star Trek Voyager fans. Man, screw those guys. (laughs) I would say that on any any discussion of Voyager. That is going to be my reaction. I think the Doctor was the best part of Star Trek Voyager. He was my favorite character and probably the one, the most watchable character in my view. Everyone else is kind of like, blah. I I think... I like the fact that that uh, Robert Beltran did a pretty good job with Chakotay, despite not wanting to be there like after season three. Well, it's the '90s. It's a long-running series. It's a paycheck. It's that rare security. I, I've heard, I read somewhere that at any given time, only four percent of actors are working. That that makes sense. Yeah, because they have so much downtime because their projects are when they're working, they're pretty much around the clock working. I, I I found that out from. Um, are you familiar with the uh, the M Bison meme where he says yes yes? Yeah, and it, there was that one dude who was gonna like lose his house, but there was a Kickstarter or some such. They managed to raise five thousand of the million they needed, so I would assume that the voice of Rhinox lost his house. Well, that's a bummer. Yep. Why'd you go there? Yeah, I just follow up. You know, I feel like I wanted to make our. Like our fans feel bad for not helping Rhinox slash M. Bison. I mean, it's a voice actor. And we, we cast a light on it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he was able to put it off for one month. With, it's Indiegogo, so whatever you, you raise, you keep. So I would say $5,000 probably covers a good you know couple of months, depending on where you live, a couple of months of mortgage payment. So he bought him a little bit of time. So thank you for your generosity. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. Awkward silence. Awkward blinking. Well, let's let's move on to something a little bit happier. Like, I loved the Nintendo presentation. And it wasn't because of anything that Nintendo announced. It was the puppets. The puppets that they had of the different Nintendo execs were pretty funny. And the fact that they were voice acted by the execs themselves, so it was terrible, was even funnier. So you had these really, really expressive puppets like turning into Star Fox characters and then you had the voices just like kind of try, trying to act natural but failing. <laughs> well, I mean, on one hand, it's cool that they use puppets. On the other hand, if the puppets are the most memorable thing about the presentation, how successful a year did you have or what do you have well, it down the pipeline that's exciting? Well, it was... Uh, they had Star Fox, so Star Fox Zero that they're working on, and they're incorporating some things that didn't make it into other Star Fox games, and it's going to have the Wii U. The Wii U, you're actually going to be able to augment reality a little bit, so like you can look around the cockpit on your Wii U, but still have a more like 
third person overview on on the actual TV screen. Uh, what else? They also had a Super Mario Maker, so you can go in and make your own Mario levels. And that that, that actually looks really cool. Uh, the idea of being able to have a, a Bowser pop out of every like you know mystery box that's intriguing. The fact that you could have Let's see. Super Mario World Bowser fighting Super Mario 2 Princess Peach I think is, is, is really neat. And then you could have bullet bills because why not? Every level is going to have a, a lot of bullet bills. Of course, because all the bullet bills all the time. And why is it that a Google image search for E3 Nintendo puppets returns a picture of BoJack Horseman in sunglasses smoking? I have no idea. Probably just someone commenting on it, on something because the comments are really the only reason to visit the internet. Your comments are valuable. It's worth time to make them. I actually let's see what else. Uh, there was everyone would love the Fallout announcement. They felt like Bethesda between Doom and Fallout Four did a really really good job. And I've never played a Fallout game, so I really couldn't say. And it's I am many many years removed from an ID game, but. I, I would play play the hell out of some Doom if it if it allowed me to play with my friends and and kill demons. Now, speaking of our friends, I think we have a couple of friends out there for E three. Yeah, we have a few good, few dudes we know out there. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Obviously, the Rooster Teeth guys. We've got uh, Kyle Gatto from Safe Continue out there. Uh, Dust Storm from from Potacular. Uh, I think Jamie's running around down there. That's, I heard a dirty rumor that was the case, but my goodness, like E3 being open to people, it's sort of a new concept for me. I, I look at the people that have gone, and maybe this is part of the reason why I was in the mood, because I was sitting at work doing work stuff and having to listen to people going, oh my God, I'm seeing this at E3, oh my God, oh my God. And, and I love conventions. I really do. And, and part of it is because at conventions, there's cool stuff, but there's also cool people. So, sure. so seeing all those people just kind of hanging out and doing stuff, it was just kind of like, oh, well, I guess this email needs to get sent. All right. <laughs> yeah, but even the idea that at least people you know can go now. Like when I was growing up and I was subscribing to Game Pro Magazine for about four years, um, I would remember EC, this distant thing where you could only read about it in our magazine. This is like pre-internet for the most part too. I guess people had Prodigy or whatever, but not real internet like we have now. And the idea that someone I know or multiple someones that I know are at this convention actually being able to take all this stuff in, that's sort of – it's mind-blowing. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I would love to go one of these days maybe, but uh, for now – my my day job doesn't want me trotting off to E3 for a week. So at this point, I settle for media for media passes to PAX. Well, there there are intermediate steps to that. that <laughs> yes, there are. Oh, measures, things we have to do things to make that happen. But see, I did what, actually make it out to the movies this weekend. What'd you and say? I, and I did not see Jurassic World, which apparently broke every fucking record ever. Because dinosaurs. We've only dinosaurs. seen them three times before. And Chris Pratt. I, I do have an anecdote about that. So Anecdote away. All right. So on Saturday, I had said, hey, let's go to a movie. So Lisa, since she's on summer vac vacation, was like, okay, sure. So we went to see a movie. And originally, we were going to go see Jurassic World. But we were like, you know what? 
I've heard Spy is really good. It's running like a 95% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. That says something. It's Melissa McCarthy. It's Paul Feige or Paul Feige. Feige? Whatever. The guy who directed Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, and, and the guy who is, who is the generally Samoa of Ghostbusters right now. So anyway, we're like, all right, we'll go see Spy. And we're like, okay, well, it's been out a couple of weeks. Jurassic World is out, so probably not a lot of people are going to go see Spy. I don't think we need to show up particularly early. So we showed up 15 minutes before the movie started. This, is, this theater that's in town has been there a while. It's been there since I've been in, in college. And when I was in college, it was a really, really nice theater, and it was definitely the place to go. But then the bigger theater opened up down the road. Whoops, dropped my phone. And that one has the IMAX, and it's, it is my favorite theater. So I rarely go to the one in town, except with, I'm, when I'm with Lisa for reasons. So we go in. We park our car, and the place is packed. I had never seen this many people at this theater since college. And while we were slowly making our way to the ticket window, which was ridiculous because I had bought my tickets online, and I still had to go up and get the actual tickets from the ticket counter lady because they didn't have a a self-service booth. Everyone was going to see Jurassic World. It was one. It was Jurassic World. Hey, two for Jurassic World. Hey, six for Jurassic World. And it was it was amazing. And so it's not surprising that it did as well as it did. But all that being said, Spy was awesome. I definitely recommend everyone go see Spy. And you know, if you had told me the words Melissa McCarthy action star five years ago, I'd have been like, who? But the, now she joins the, the like from Gilmore Girls. She joins a sort of rarefied space now, occupied by the likes of you know Will Smith, Mila Jovovich, Tom Cruise. Melissa McCarthy is now added to that role. Like, there's only a handful of people that have anchored an action film. I was surprised, I, and I probably shouldn't have been because the woman is talented as hell. Oh yeah, and she. Uh, <laughs> It was just so much fun to watch her, and I, I was, like I said, I've been telling everybody, especially people who hadn't heard of the movie, because it, it kind of came in under the radar. I would not be surprised if it was the sleeper hit of the summer, given, given where, it, where it came out. I mean, it came out like right before Jurassic World, so that repeat business just wasn't there. Although, if you find yourself this weekend not able to get into Jurassic World, go see Spy. Good pro tip. I, I have plans to, to go to Buffalo for, for reasons, redacted reasons, if you will. You don't need to redact it anymore. We know you're married. <laughs> I want that to be my ringtone. God. You don't have to redact it anymore. You're married. I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to visit my wife. Nice. Yeah. Well, take her out to dinner, give her a hug, grab her buttons, tell her I said hi. I'll do everything in that order. Yay! <laughs> But, but man, oh, man. So, so what do you have a tap for this, for this weekend, actually? I am actually, funnily enough, I got a call on my way home from work from one of my boys who I play D&D with. And we are going to either play D&D or another role-playing game that uh, I'm hoping won't suck, but I don't have my hopes up. But either way, I'm going to be role-playing it up this, uh, this weekend, so I'm pretty excited about that. Well, that's cool. You're spending time with friends. Even if the game is less than stellar, at least you, you have good company. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can figure out how much an Uber ride costs to my buddy's house because if I, I, I will bring provisions just in case. 
And uh, if the game ends up being terrible, I may just drink myself into a uh, into a uh, drunken, raging uh, role playing session. So apparently, there's this big crackdown in uh, the Delaware Valley, Philadelphia, Delco on uh, on UberX. Like the only thing I could find when I need to get an Uber uh, a couple of weeks ago was uh, was the black car service, which is phenomenal, but a bit out of my price range to use on a regular basis. Sometimes you'll actually get those black car services when you don't ask for them. Uh, I know that uh, during one of our jaunts in PAX or at PAX, essentially I went there and I saw most of the people that we talk about a lot, uh, one of whom was Jabberwocky, and we were actually staying at a friend's place uh, a few miles away from downtown. And so we needed to get from our place to our hotel. And we had a bunch of groceries and stuff that we were bringing into the hotel. So we called up an Uber, and this, this uh, awesome Mercedes E-Class shows up. And we're just like, what? Whoa. It was nuts. It was the nicest car I've, I've ridden in in a long time. Sweet. My dad has one of those. They are, they are fine vehicles. It ended up being a very expensive Uber ride. Because, I can imagine. Well, what happened were, since it was PAX weekend and bumper shoot, it was like triple rates at, at that point. So that, that's what really drove up the price. Because it, it was just a normal Uber or UberX or whatever. I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything fancy that we had requested. But it, it ended up being pretty expensive. And I should have known something was up because that was the weekend where I got in at like 2 a.m. or something like that. And it was already like 1.5 rates at like 2 a.m. from downtown. And I was just like, wow, that's just nuts. So I think the second time we needed to do that route, we ended up uh, taking the bus. Yeah, that, that's probably a prudent choice for, for your wallet. I'm trying to remember. I, I, was I drunk when we took that bus? Possibly. I mean, it sounds I, like... I may have. I it was PAX. Yeah. But man, my goodness. It's, it's even the whole... There's even like a larger crackdown on this whole like sort of peer-to-peer like sharing ser- matching services. Like even Airbnb is seeing some, uh, some, some, black, some blowback. And I don't know if it's necessarily unwelcome. I mean, it seems like they're regulating because Uber generally has worked really well for me. I mean, I've never had a bad experience with Uber ever. And um, that said, like, it's sort of really built on the essential decency of people. Like, all it takes, like, was one bad seed who's underinsured to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, it's... Um, I I haven't had a really bad experience. The, the ride from Seattle actually was was pretty close. Like, it that driver was probably the worst one I've had, um, which, which kind of sucks because it was, it was an opportunity for Uber to continue that service that we all know and love. But, uh, but he just wasn't a very good driver and his, the conversation was kind of lacking, but it was quickly redeemed. Uh, when I was at PAX South, I took a couple of Ubers to like meet my parents and go other places. And that one was pretty much where I expected. It was great. Well, there you go. Hey, I just realized today is Dan Vanderklok's birthday. Yeah, it's it's uh it is. Happy birthday, Dan. Happy birthday, Dan. We almost never do birthday shout-outs on this broadcast, so uh it's a really rare thing. So I'm happy Dan's one of those guys who deserves one, I I believe. But we we should get to E3 at some point. Yeah, we should get back to it. Uh I'm trying to think of what else was announced. I know at the Sony conference, uh 
they announced more Destiny stuff, and I was kind of disappointed that they did that at the Sony because it just it just accentuates the exclusivity that uh, some of the some of the bonuses have. Ah, uh, so they have a deal where like that stuff goes to Sony first. Yeah, I see. Man, you know what I noticed like a lot a lot of these E three reactions on tw- on uh, Twitter. A lot of these memes that they use are Simpsons memes, and there a lot of them are from the so-called unfunnier seasons, which have become like gold as years have passed by. And I think we've talked about this a lot in this broadcast that the Simpsons arguably have been in decline since 1997 or 98. I, I tried at the beginning with the episode where the Simpsons go to New York. I didn't think that one was very funny, except for one line about Barney giving a guest lecture at Villanova, and even there, it's only because they referenced my school. But uh. But even Tappa 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 and the waiting is the hardest part, like a thing where Homer's like uh, waiting for five days for a gun and a bunch of Well, that gun episode was probably one of the best of the run. I think it's one of the best of the uh, of the long plateau, as I'm calling it, like because The Simpsons generally is pretty entertaining. If you watch any episode, as long as it wasn't one of the ones between, I would say, 99 and 2006. But everything after 2006 is pretty solid. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything since then, and I'm I I just heard about some of the stuff that they were planning to do, but it's just like, eh. It's all speculation. I mean, the whole like Marge and Homer splitting up—it's been done. I mean, Simpsons did it. <laughs> That's like a even South Park meme. But uh, but the idea of the Halloween story of like what would you know Sideshow Bob do if he actually killed Bart? That's a good avenue to explore that. So according, I I was actually. During some of the Simpsons talk, I was checking to see how much a fare would be from my house to to my buddy's place, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about twenty bucks. That's not terrible. I mean, how no, far it's is not it? Ter- if if I, it, it's a ways, but it's it's Oklahoma road, so it's mostly highway, right? And but it's just it's a good distance. It just doesn't take that long, and it's not bad if you consider that you're basic that I'm basically paying for a night to get to get totally trashed and it, it kind of sucks because my buddy used i say this a lot but my buddy used to live right next door so if i wanted to go drunken board game or drunken D or whatever or just go over and watch whatever and get drunk it was great and then i could just stumble home sure but but i can't do that anymore yeah so all most of my most of my board gaming is sadly sober well, that makes sense, given the sheer amount of driving that has to be done. Like, if you live somewhere like South Philadelphia, you can just stumble everywhere you want to go, or, or media for that matter. You could you could just keep your flask on you on demand. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why I would love to live in a in a place where you could do that, where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to go to this place and I'm going to hop a subway or hop a cab, and then oh, I'm home. There you go. But well, but I I, it, I I say that, and I'm really not going anywhere. I'm I'm just fine where I am. I'm just going to say something that may be kind of controversial, but I don't think, given the opportunity, unless I positively absolutely had to for a work-related reason, that I would go to E3. One and the reason, the, well, go ahead. And the reason being is because unlike a PAX, where it's a celebration of gaming culture, E3 is largely a consumer, like, you know, expo event. It's more about, like, selling the games and stuff like that and talking about those things rather than celebrating the things necessarily that you love about the games. Like one is sort of like – it's like the difference between Woodstock and uh, 
like an industry event for, for, for a record company. Where one is actually sort of a town coming together, a community coming together. Another is just sort of like, these are the games we're selling. Let's all get rich. Let's all get lanyards and talk about pro- productivity and games and whatever. I mean, you get to play the games and sample the games and stuff like that. And I love video games, but I can read about them just as well. What happens in E3 on panels. And unless there are a lot of my friends going, like, that would be the reason I would go. Not necessarily to see what it, the hubbub is about. Because I don't like the mass humanity. I don't like I don't like crowds. Straight up, I do not like those crowds. I, even New York Comic Con was kind of overwhelming for me. But uh, but if it's not like something where the consumer is at the heart of it, and I don't think E three is there yet at all, then it's not as interesting to me. It, it, I get what you're saying, and and it's funny that you say you can watch and take in everything that E three has from where from where you are. They were actually talking about it on one of the Rooster Teeth streams. Uh, Adam Kovich was saying that it's hard to keep track of stuff that's happening at E3 at E3. It's actually a lot easier from our perspective because we just sit and all of this information just kind of comes to us. Sure. When, when you're down on the ground, you've got your own stuff to do and then maybe you hear about something. But you're not probably not going to whip out your phone and watch a video on YouTube because – Battery and energy is key, and so you're and, and if you're in that situation, you probably don't have time to do that. You're you're off to the next thing, so I, I get it, and I, I I agree with you. I think that it also reminds me of just San Diego Comic Con. I am in no rush to go to go to San Diego Comic Con because I have no intention of waiting four hours to get into an an A tier panel. And I think that ship has sailed for me. If there was something that I was going to do, then uh, I probably would have done it like maybe 10 or five, even five years ago. And at this point in my life, I'm not as interested in doing something like New- uh, San Diego. New York is about as big as I'll go. And I don't think I'm even doing that con again unless I have to. Well, I, my, biggest, my biggest limiter is the, my vacation days. It's not even necessarily the money. It's the, the time I can be away from work. Sure. And so I have to I have to judiciously use that especially actually next year is going to be even tougher because of some of the stuff that's going to be happening uh we'll see but i'm fortunate enough that i get a pretty decent amount of vacation these days i almost get four weeks almost wow uh i get three straight up and then and then another sort of week through other means and and so that's really nice and that's helped out a lot it'll help out a lot this year and uh, and I just can't spare the days to go and make something like an E3 work. I mean, the day that everything started happening was a Monday, which is nuts uh, for for someone who tries to to go to as much stuff on the weekends as possible. And actually, our our good friend uh, uh, Dustin Pettigrew, Duststorm, was talking about how apparently the Halo Five experience stopped working. They were having a lot of technical issues. So after two wait, two hours of waiting in line, he had to. They they said come back tomorrow and try again. Wow, that's gotta suck if you're traveling like thousands of miles just to see this thing and the thing doesn't work, and they're like come back tomorrow. Yeah, and and I get I I get that stuff happens and sure. nothing's gonna be perfect, but it, it's just. Uh, I, I would love to go to, to like the big three that I would love to go to and spend a decent amount of time to E3. I guess we'll throw C, CES in there. Why not? Uh, 
San Diego Comic-Con and South by Southwest. I would love to do all of those, but the the amount of time and effort you have to spend getting and staying there versus the time you actually get to see anything of of value and then see the people that you might actually want to see, it's just not worth it. Something like PAX is a much better value. I think so. You have a better proposition. It's definitely easier for me to get to, to Boston than it is to all the way out to, to Los Angeles. Although I feel like something like the HoloLens could add an interesting dimension to, to everyday life and games. Like I, I talked about this randomly on uh, on Facebook and Twitter. It would be cool to combine like the uh, the panels and the events and the news and the community of a convention with uh, with the, com- the ability to commune with nature and actually appreciate natural surroundings and put the screens away for just a little bit. I'd be down with for something like that, like a, like a convention slash camping trip. The Glib Shark Leadership Conference coming August 2018. I'm really looking forward to uh, to stuff that's coming up. Obviously, RTX, which, again, we should say we have a panel. We have two panels. Yeah, and RTX is like the right size thing, too. Like, it's full of people all from the same community, or at the very least are familiar with the same frame of reference in terms of, in terms of jokes. Generally, people from Rooster Teeth tend to be the same, like the same kind of temperament most of them are pretty chill most of them have the same kind of raunchy sense of humor but are also kind of maybe a little shy or at least you know they're not super jerky for the most part and and it's kind of cool to be able to come to a homecoming like that because everyone i know like it's the easiest place to see as many people that i love from the community as possible oh absolutely and it'll be uh it's gonna be great uh, weekend of August 4th through the 6th, I want to say, 2015. I think beautiful it's like Austin. 7th or the 9th or something. 7th or the 9th, okay. Yeah. And beautiful Austin Convention Center, but we'll have more details about the panels forthcoming. Yes. Hopefully, and and I, this is how I would love for things to work out, we have the Glib Shark panel on Friday. That Again, this is what we're hoping for. And then maybe D&D at night uh, on Friday night or Saturday night. Just get all our panels out of the way. Yeah. I'm and good then, with that. And then the community panel, the capturing the community panel, which I'm also on, uh, we'll have to see about that one. I have no idea when they're going to put it. And then the uh, podcast panel, again, I have no idea. But that one, like that one is the one I'm worried about the least just because I'm just kind of sh- show up and talk. And I expect to be rather inebriated for it. In fact, I'm going to endeavor to be inebriated for it. Endeavor to be inebriated. That's a nice callback to, uh, to the last RT Philly logo. It's like inspired to endeavor to achieve synergy and cross promote global market, uh, cross promote ideas and a global market, globalized marketplace of ide- ideas, something like that. Wow, it's been a few years, three years actually since the last RT Philly. Yay. Oh, Yay. no. Yay. Well, well, past years. Past years. Past years. I was actually, I was going to say the last pa- uh, podcasting panel I was on at RTX, which I think two years ago, I was actually a little buzzed at. Dustin Pettigrew, who was running that panel, I don't think was pleased. I, which is I can probably imagine why it wasn't asked back next year. Maybe, like, if you keep drinking at panels, people will stop inviting you. Except for our panel, which it's almost a requirement. I remember um, at RTX 2012, I did uh, an Earth Street community event panel with, uh, I think it was uh, Barbara, uh, Microbe, you know, Joe Garcia, uh, Dom, was, I think it was the panelist, uh, Katie, cool Katie. Katie, Katie Ward or is it Katie Patillo? I don't, did you change her name or no? I'm not sure. So Katie Ward. And then also, I think that was just the five, four of us, five of us, yeah. And I was the only American. 
on the panel. Everyone else was either from Canada or Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so I that's am funny. the only person who has been able well, – before RTX, I was the person who had a sustainable Rooster Teeth-related conference or event in America. So go me. Steve Holt. Okay. I have – I, I want to pick your brain about something that, that has been bugging people apparently. Pick away. So speaking of RTX, they did announce that there is going to be an RTX Australia. So cool. RTX is going international. The British are not pleased. Apparently, there is a little bit of a backlash from the UK-based community saying that they should have gotten an RTX before Australia. Personally, I think that that sort of thinking is a bit divisive. Mm-hmm. And I, I get where it comes from. I get when there's something that you want that you don't get and you, someone else gets it. And you have to watch that. You'd see it in Destiny all the time. I've said some really bad things to some really good friends because they got a gun before I did. And I, and I regret it because it, it was just not right. So it's easy for me to say, hey, you know, Brits, you should just be happy that there is actually an international RTX and one of these days it might come, come there as well. That's kind of my thinking. What do you think about that? Well, it's, it's complicated. I just heard the news now. I didn't actually know that they're bringing RTX to Australia until you just told me. So I have a chance to react to it just sort of first impression. Um, look, it's not that – it's a business decision. At the end of the day, like – you go – I mean I, I can't imagine what the business scenario is where it's profitable more in Australia than it is in, in, the United, in the United Kingdom. Maybe it's that it's easier for people in the UK to fly to America than it is for Australians too and they see a market to capitalize on, on there. I, I can't speak to the business decision because I don't work for Rooster Teeth. Never have. The most I do is I occasionally moderate one of their, one of their forums and even that's sporadic. What I can say is that – look, you're a fan of the company. You're a fan of the product. You know, it's – you don't have to – if you like what you like, it's fine. There, I like anime. I like you know, Shamurai Shampoo. You know, I don't know the production companies ever come to America and do a convention or whatever, but I can be a fan just from anywhere. And they'll stream this stuff on Twitch so you'll be able to see it. And you know, you stay out there. You get discouraged. You know, things happen. Like look at all the people that came from the community to – up from the community and got jobs, right? Like, like Barbara. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a year or two years or family. She worked on it for years. For years, she volunteered at these events. For years, she was a big part of the community. And so when the opportunity came and they were able to bring her on board, you know, it worked out. So sometimes these things are a function of timing. Sometimes these things are a function of whether everything lines up properly. So things aren't going to fall into your lap, United Kingdom. Do you think your, your ancestors got an empire and able to rule over a quarter of the world overnight? No, that shit took centuries. So, so hang in there. Keep going to conventions. Keep buying the merchandise. Keep being awesome, active parts of the community. One of your own or several of your own actually work for the company now. You had Ben there for a long time. Gavin's still in there. So you have some some connections you can leverage there. Um, I think it's only a matter of time. It just happened that it worked out for Australia this time. But you you hang in there. You work hard. You stay part of the community. Eventually, it wouldn't surprise me if something opened up in in England, if not Wales. I'm actually personally rooting for Wales because I like Wales a little bit better. Sorry, England. But um, 
but be a grown up about it, man. I mean, we're all adults. Like things don't always go your way. Things people make decisions with things that are theirs. Ultimately, it's Rooster Teeth's company. I mean, your fans and they appreciate your patronage, but is their company? They're going to make the decision that's best for them and based on what the situation is now. The situation could change in a few years where they're able to do something in the UK. I wouldn't get bitter or begrudge anyone else their good fortune because that's shitty. Just be awesome to each other and it'll work out. Yeah, I I agree. All right. I probably uh, should have just said that. That would have saved a lot of time. <laughs> I am actually uh, – I do have one more trip. And this is the last time I've talked about my vacation ever, but it does relate to, to video games a little bit. Okay. I don't remember if I told the story or not last week. Um, so – or was it last week when I got back? I think it was last week. So – we get on the ship and we're kind of walking around, people watching, and we see this group of dudes, and they're they're these tall, young, uh, fit guys who all have their hair in kind of top knots. So they already look like bros, but they look like bros who are just like doing something silly with their hair for a little bit. And so I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Those guys, those guys look like douches. The, the, well, that's fine. They're they're going to be a few on the ship. So later on, we were, we were in one of the lounges getting ready for this like team trivia competition where we would need like a team of five. And at the moment, it was just me and Lisa. And so a couple of these guys were sitting over kind of close to us. And so one of them kind of turns around and is like, hey, do you want to play with us? And considering like not a day before when we had gotten on the ship that we were making fun of these dudes, we were just like, uh, yeah, sure, why not? They were actually a lot of fun. <laughs> we ended up, uh, they were a family, four brothers, and then their mom and dad were on vacation out from Georgia. So, and we were obviously from, from Oklahoma, and I, I had my OU hat and everything. So our trivia team name was uh, Boomers and Bulldogs. Nice. And so whenever we saw them, I mean, eventually we learned their names, but uh, we would just refer to them collectively as the Bulldogs. And we'd see them on like short excursions and stuff. And like I said, they were a lot of fun. Super cool to, to play trivia with. One of the times we're, we're playing trivia and it was a, it was a heated match with, uh, with another team called the Brick Squad. We were like back and forth. One of the brothers looks at my wrist. And if you know me, I tend to wear slap bands and wristbands and stuff. And the two that I wear the most are my either Rooster, Hunt, Rooster Teeth or Chief and Hunter slap bands and my Pentakill League of Legends bracelet. One of the brothers saw my League of Legends bracelet and was like, hey, you play League? And I'm like, yeah, I play League. So we sit there and we start talking League. And remember how you were mentioning how there's, there was this kind of the jargon that you don't understand if you don't, if you don't do the thing? All of his brothers were like, just all of a sudden their faces <laughs> just were like glossed <laughs> over. Like we, we might as well have been speaking, speaking Dutch by then. Happy birthday, Daniel. And, <laughs> and and it was it was cool. We actually ended up ex- exchanging summoner names, and I I got a picture of the whole family in uh, in Phillipsburg in Saint Martin. So I needed a means by which to get them a picture, and so we exchanged emails and we exchanged summoner names. So I I actually play League of Legends with a dude I met on a cruise ship, and, and who turned out to be pretty cool. And uh, at the end, at the final round of this trivia competition, like I said, that other team that we've been kind of going back for, they all put their hair up in top knots. Hmm. Wow. Just 
can happen anywhere, even on a cruise ship. Geeking can happen. Geeking can happen. Be prepared for random geeking. That sounds like a t-shirt we need to make. <laughs> right. <the one> down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, uh, but yeah, like you can build that bond with people out of nowhere. I, actually, my trader, my local Trader Joe's, like I think someone was wearing a Richie t-shirt or something. There's, someone saw my Richie t-shirt and they actually commented on it. And it's like, and my my cousin Jenny, she's all like, "Did you know that he's a moderator on the site?" And he's like, "I don't really visit the site all that. All. I don't really post in the forums." And I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. I was a celebrity back in 2007." I actually, there's a guy at work who I've been talking rooster teeth with, and apparently he's going to RTX. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like to name drop. Okay, I like to name drop, but I, I feel bad doing it these days. I, I'm a little bit more self aware about it. And I think I let it slip that I, because he also plays Destiny, and I let it slip that I played Destiny with uh, Bernie and his son, and his eyes just got wide. <laughs> He's like, "How did you manage that?" I was like, "I've known Bernie for a long time," <laughs> and uh, and it ended up I actually played Destiny with uh, with Teddy last night, and we got our asses kicked. So. Uh, and w- while we were going, we we were running away from something, and we're like, "Run, Jesus, run!" And so I, I mentioned, "Yeah, that line will never get old. That one thing that Bertie did right once. <laughs> Nothing else, just that one line from one episode of Red versus Blue." Yeah, gosh, it's kind of staggering to think how big they've gotten, even in the time that I've been watching. I mean, they I guess are I... featured E three like broadcasters for YouTube. It, it's it's staggering how what kind of reach that company has had. Gavin was in a Delta Airlines safety video. Did you hear about this? I did not hear about this. Delta Airlines has been doing some funny safety videos. They did one that was 80s themed. So they had like Alf and various actors who were still alive from all these 80s shows. Mm-hmm. I think they had Johnny from Karate Kid. And just do it in the safety video, like, like Alf was putting on his seatbelt and Alf was putting on a gas mask. Wait, he was in a. Hold on, this is really kind of what surprised me. He was in a commercial with Alf. No, no, no. So Delta Airlines does these themed safety videos. Okay. They did one for the '80s. They recently did one for the internet. Oh. So they had like the the kid, the Dennis kid, what is real life, and he looks a bit older now then they had the the double rainbow guy and he was putting his rainbows up in one of the uh, carry-on uh, <laughs> compartments and then for the you might experience turbulence so have your seatbelt on gavin is sitting there with a bowl of jello and so the plane the plane like shakes the jello flies up in slow motion well that's right because he has that level of uh, notoriety and celebrity just from being the slow one of the slow mo guys or basically right, the slow mo guys so he could get a work visa so he right. could work for Rooster Teeth and now it's just as big he has almost a, I he might have more subscribers I believe it like and Gavin started off as just a kid who liked Rooster Teeth just like the rest of us. Gavin is one of those, and it's said a lot, and it is it is totally true. He is one of those very rare cases of talent, opportunity, and luck all converging all at once. 
Although, you see enough of that in the Rooster community where if you have the ability and the talent and the drive and everything lines up properly, you can too can work for Rooster Teeth. But, I mean, not, we, but not to that degree. Not to the d- degree where a kid from overseas can manage what he has. Or run a website. Or run a website. Exactly. Like, there are guys in Austin that I know who, na- who now work for Rooster Teeth. And again, it, it was to a lesser degree talent uh, and opportunity. It was, sure. it was mostly opportunity and, and, and talent, but that luck wasn't there. They, they, they knew people already. And with Gavin, he just was in all the right places at the right times. Yeah. And, and not only that, he, he, it, w- it was sort of like that eight-mile deal where you have the opportunity, but whether or not you seize it is, is what's important. Right. And it's, it's, he seized every single opportunity given to him. He seized the F out of those opportunities. Yes, the F. That's as close as I'll come to and, and to further that, his girlfriend did a Playboy shoot. Wait, who's he dating now? Meg Turney. Meg did a Playboy shoot? It's clothed, but yes. Oh. It's hmm. just, it's, it's actually not bad. It's, it, they're, they're decent pictures. Uh, but it's her just, it, it, she's like in a black co- costume, and then it's her like in like sun shorts and a bikini and stuff. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not anything salacious. Gotcha. It's like Esquire level stuff. Yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, I, the point well, is, is that that's that's who he is in a uh, very committed relationship with. Bully for Gavin. You know, sweet kid deserves all of the success that he's gotten. I and I mean that. And he was I, he's one of the few guys who's been around when, around the time I was around, and we never really crossed paths until I think the real the very last RVBTO. And I think he had heard of me, and I I definitely heard of him. And it was really cool to be able to chance to interact with him, albeit briefly. And on yeah, that note. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, Dan. Dan I, cut, I cut you off your last thought, actually. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I, it's, it's cool to see, him, uh, to see him succeed like that. And it's also cool that, uh, that, uh, that when I do run into him, he, you know, he remembers who I am. So that's cool. That's neat. The proceeding has been the Gavin Free Love Hour. <laughs> I feel like you know what we can go a little over. I feel like we should we should end on something themed. Yeah, uh, I'm planning on going and seeing Jurassic World at some point. As far as all of these games at E3, honestly, I don't play very many titles in a year. So while it's cool to see all this stuff, very few of these games I'm actually going to play. Probably Mass Effect Andromeda, although I have to get through the story campaigns of Mass Effect Two and Three. But I've got some time. And uh, I didn't even see that announcement. I'm surprised I, I missed that. Yeah. Well, and they led the, the E3, or not the E3, but the EA presentation led with Mass Effect. So I tuned in and I missed that. But I watched the trailer later and I saw someone tweet, hey, have they shown Mass Effect yet? And I was like, uh, yeah, it was the first thing. Oof. Yeah. But. But like with a lot of things at E3, it's very easy to watch the trailers later. But I, I like for me, like I said, Mass Effect, um, Halo Five, obviously. Uh it's about it. Depends yeah. on where stuff lands, console-wise. It's probably the same thing for me. I actually just bought like I have four games on my three, one already. I have uh, you know Minecraft, Master Chief Collection, uh, Mortal Kombat Ten or X, and uh, Destiny. So that's enough to keep me busy for probably the rest of the year. One thing you should do, and this is something that I'm pretty bad at, you should check the Xbox Gold uh, deals. Oh, for games with gold? 
Games with Gold. And I think this this month, a game called Massive Chalice is free. I know Izzy has played it a little bit, and it is a very complicated, like, tactical board game almost. And but there's there's a very strong game beyond like what's essentially Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, there's like Massive bloodlines and traits. Massive Chalice. The Catholic in me is intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> but uh and and there have been other games that have come out that have been that have been really good. I know Child of Light was free, I think, last month, and that was a really good game to play through. Uh oh, another game you might want to pick up, Ori and the Blind Forest. Do you like platformers? I do like platformers. You'll like Ori and the Blind Forest. Cool. Appreciate it, the heads up. It is an excellent, excellent game. Hey. So so next week, I think about this. It's been a while since you and I talked about some sports. I figure by then, like this, the NBA Finals will be done, so we can at least recap the uh, last couple weeks of sports and the upcoming stuff for football. Or just keep it general. Hopefully, the result that I want will be happening in about an hour or two. Uh, I know the Cavs and uh, actually, let's you know what? Let's date the show real quick and get up a score here for Game Six of the series. Between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Let's see. It looks and like. And as uh, of right now, there are five minutes left in the second half in the second quarter. Golden State is up 20, 37 to twenty nine. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. let's let's go. Let's make picks on this. What? Uh, who do you think is going to pull it out? Warriors. I agree. Yeah, I mean. I was so worried that like so many blown calls are calls that went Cleveland's way, like especially in the first half of that game on Sunday. I thought for sure it was like the NBA typical fixing it a little bit, you know, Triple H hitting in the back of the head with a chair or something. You go know, because the NBA is basically like performance art, right? But uh, but the Warriors pulled it out, and I was watching uh, the Apple uh, Worldwide Developers Conference that preview. Nothing groundbreaking there, but just the fact that they were paying attention to you know the Warriors because it's their team. And one of two teams, by the way, that Oakland basically took from Philadelphia along with the Ace. <laughs> so thanks for that, guys. Yeah, no problem. So kind of, it's like, and Andre Iguodala's on there, so it's kind of like if the Kings are the Flyers' West Coast version, then I would say the Warriors are Sixers East or West. I am actually really happy that, uh, that Golden State is in the lead, and I also want them to win just because... Lisa and I have been talking about it a bit, and I guess this is a preview for Glib Sports next week. Yeah. Lisa and I were talking about – this is actually interesting. We can probably touch on it a little bit. I don't like that LeBron James did things the way he did in his career. The decision was one of the most farcical things I've ever seen. And I'm glad that while he was at Miami, he only won two championships. Now he's back in Cleveland with the opportunity to win another championship. I don't want him to win. I don't want LeBron James to win another championship. However, Lisa's assertion is that, well, what about Cleveland? Cleveland is the one who got screwed by the decision. So LeBron James coming back and winning a championship for that city is something that is is storied. And and help and is good for a lot of people in Cleveland who are long-suffering sports fans. Yeah. What what, what do you think about that? Well, I yeah. have an opinion, but it's uh, it's very simple. Well, I don't really have the same animosity towards LeBron James other people may have. Um, I like the Warriors better, 
it's always good to see a team that's been long suffering, you know, get out of a drought. I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm used to seeing my sports teams like struggle a little bit. I'm still riding a high from from the Phillies World Series championship from like six years ago. Or no, no, gosh, not even more than that, seven years ago. And um and it's something that a town like Cleveland especially, could you need the championship with San Francisco, they got the Niners, they had the Giants, they they won championships a while ago, you know. So it doesn't mean I, – I, I'm not going to say – it doesn't mean as much for, for the area, for the region, especially since the Bay Area has so much going for right now. I'm not saying Cleveland doesn't, but come on. Cleveland, if you're honest with yourself, it's, it's the Bay Area. So if, if LeBron can, can gut it out and pull, pull that first team, you know, bully for Cleveland. Nothing wrong with that. I huh, – I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to say this, but I can't. Fuck Cleveland. Fuck him. Oh, I care more. I look, you know what? A- and to end the show on a not fuck Cleveland uh, note, United States women's soccer team won their game against Nigeria. Won the group. They're headed into the knockout stage. Nice. Congratulations to the U.S. women's soccer team. Congratulations to, uh, to our listeners for surviving another hour of Globe Shark with Jonathan Cerna and Jack Hedefill. Thank you for, for staying through the sports talk. There'll be more. There'll be more next week, Glib Sports. But until then, our sound producer is Jonathan Cerna. Nothing clever? <laughs> that was it. That was my cleverness. I see what you did there. <laughs> our, uh, our theme music was composed by Linnea Boyev. Our announcer, the inimitable voice actor, Bob Ball. Uh, once the Lauren Urban returns, uh, you can hear her on This Week in Geek and submit facts uh, to Lauren at OboCrazy.com. Until then, on behalf of Lauren, Jonathan, and the entire Glib Shark staff, this is Jack Edithel saying good night, good health, and where's the beef? That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at GlibShark. You can even drop us a line, GlibShark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. <laughs>